I'm a first year, level 4, social work apprentice. I'm also a senior family support worker for Staffordshire County Council, Fostering Services. I work with and support children and young people and their foster carers. This is a day in my life. 6.30 a.m. I get up. I don't say wake up as I've laid in bed tossing and turning most of the night, feeling nervous about a presentation I volunteered to do with some of my fellow apprentices for the West Midlands Teaching Partnership Practice Week. Why did you volunteer if you get so nervous, I hear you ask. Well, I think it is important to push ourselves out of our comfort zones occasionally. This always helps me to reflect on and empathize with how people I support might feel sometimes. But right now, I'm wondering if it is too late to a. call in sick, b. say the dog ate my presentation, or c. bit dramatic, but throw myself down the stairs. 9 a.m. dash back home from the school run, two little people safely dropped off, they're dressed, have had breakfast, and got their packed lunches, hashtag parental winning. I log on to my computer and catch up on emails before having my weekly virtual team catch up. We started these at the start of the pandemic, they're informal, we generally bring along a cuppa, we chat about the weekend, what we've been up to, what we've been watching on Netflix and lots of other non-work-related nonsense. They are a nice way of staying connected in a time when we might be feeling disconnected. 10 a.m.-ping, email comes through from my work-based peer mentor for the apprenticeship. To gain feedback, I'd sent them my essays and my academic reflective accounts that I'm getting ready to submit for my first module and portfolio. I'm nervous about opening the email, what if they think they are a pile of drivel, make no sense, and I must start again. Relax, good feedback, constructive, all they suggest is a little tweak, but overall, they think I've done a good job, phew. 10.30 a.m. minus 1 p.m., this time is taken up with a previously mentioned presentation, we have a pre-presentation meetup, and our work-based education officer helps settle my nerves. They remind me that I'm talking about my own experiences, no one can dispute or question this. They are right, and I feel better. Okay, 10 minutes before the presentation starts, I don't feel better anymore, I'm pacing, and I'm nervous. I have a new idea. I could feign technical difficulties? To gain some control over myself, I tell myself to give my head a wobble and to breathe. So I do my presentation, relax into it, and actually enjoy it. I kick myself afterwards for getting so worked up, and I promise myself never to get this nervous or worked up about anything again, I say this with fingers crossed behind my back, already knowing I'll be repeating the cycle. 2 p.m., I receive a drop call from a young person I am working with. I ring them back. They are fuming. They have walked out of lesson at school because one of their peers has made negative reference to them and their dad, who is currently serving time in prison. I remind them to take a few breaths, and I also remind them of their ultimate goal, which is to get through this next couple of months at school, pass their English and maths GCSEs and get to college, where they can have a fresh start without their dad's reputation following them. After the call, I reflect on labeling theory, our lecturer only just taught us this last week. I think about the negative labels that this young person is getting in school in their local community. I remember my lecturer talking about the deviant label and self-fulfilling prophecy. I make a note to myself that in our next session together, we are going to make a list of all their positive labels linked to all their positive relationships, personality, and commitments outside of school. I smile to myself as I believe I have just used an approach informed by social work theory, and I am applying theory to my practice. Get me. 3 p.m., 
I drive north of the county for a socially distanced garden visit with a young person I have been supporting for a few months now. I enter the garden, and they welcome me with, what shoes do you think you're wearing? They're horrible. I have a pair of Velcro vans on, and they're not horrible at all, in my opinion, but I know that this is always the way that this young person likes to start a session, they always start with some kind of remark about the way I look, they love to hate me. But I know different. I think this young person doesn't hate me, and I actually think they quite like me, and this is why I think that. They took personal responsibility for making a space in the garden with shelter and lovely chairs so we can meet face to face. Come rain or shine, they meet with me every week and hidden amongst the jibes towards me, they open up ever so slightly about how they are feeling and ask for my opinion, although, when I give my opinion, they say they don't care, other signs are telling me that they do. This young person never wants to engage with professionals, and understandably so, they have limited trust in adults. I believe that because I keep showing up when I say I will, keep showing up regardless of their jibes at me and with my continued active listening, humor and empathy, even when it is thrown back at me, is what has built our trusting relationship. This is not a new practice for me, I have practiced in this way for years now, but since starting my apprenticeship, I am now able to refer to this as my relationship-based practice. There is a theory behind my practice and lots of reasons behind why it works. Many many people in the social work world have theorized and written about this. Who knew? Not me, until now. As I am leaving, the young person's foster carer gives me a goose egg from one of the many geese they have. With a thank you, I leave clutching the huge goose egg, thinking I must remember to declare my gifted goose egg to my line manager. 5.30 p.m., I drive home. There are lots to process and reflect on from my session. I phone my line manager on my hands-free and declare the gifted goose egg. They reply with, Sue, that's excellent news I openly cringe at their joke, and we have a bit of a giggle. I offload my session to my manager, and I feel grateful for this, as now I am not taking it home. 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m., a whirlwind of mummy duties and a chance to spend time with my little people. I drop off one of my little people to their first face-to-face girl guiding session since March 2020. They are nervous, and I talk about breathing through those nerves and reassure them that as soon as they get there and see everyone, they will be okay, remember, I have first-hand experience of this, just from today. I put my other little person to bed. We are currently reading Captain Underpants. The escapism of this is welcomed, and my little person's deliciously innocent laugh is a tonic that I wish I could bottle up. 8.30 p.m., after some quick dinner, I look at what reading I need to do before my university day this week. This week's session is about attachment theory. I read an interesting journal article in preparation. It is through bleary tired eyes, but I do read it, and I do understand it, bonus. 9.30pm, I eventually decide to switch off and treat myself to an episode or two of Grey's Anatomy, I am a bit late to this party, one of my fellow apprentices recently did a genogram on the Grey family and has got me totally hooked on this series now. 12am, bedtime. Oops, slight Grey's Anatomy addiction. There are worse things to be addicted to, right? 3.42am-wide awake, I've just woken up thinking of a great reference for that tweak of my essay.